I was becoming the opposite of the man that I want to be. When I talk about unlocking greatness, I was unlocking disaster. That's actually a big part of the reason why I believe God let me continue to go at the rate that I was because I had to get to that point on October 28th on my couch in the middle of the day while I was hung over. I had to get to that point where I felt guilt and shame. And if you're a Christian and you don't believe that guilt and shame can be good for us, you have not heard all of the gospel. The gospel is very clear that Christ came into the world to die for our sins, to remove the guilt and shame from the sins we've committed. But part of the reason we feel guilt and shame is because those are tools that are used to turn us to Christ to be forgiven for our sins and to go and sin no more. Welcome to Unlocking Greatness, the podcast where purpose fuels your journey to greatness. I'm your host, Ryan James Miller, and I'm here to guide you through the remarkable stories of purpose-driven achievers just like you. Whether you're building a business empire or strengthening your family, this is your space to learn, grow, and find fulfillment. With each episode, we dive into the lives of extraordinary individuals who align their values and beliefs with professional success. Get ready for inspiring conversations, practical wisdom, and the keys to unlock your own potential in life and business. Let's embark on this journey together to unleash your potential, live your calling, and achieve the greatness that you were created for. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Unlocking Greatness. I am Ryan James Miller, and I am pumped that you have chosen to join me today. Um, we are a couple episodes into season four of the podcast. Again, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you'll remember that uh, just a few episodes ago, though it was quite a while back, uh, we were uh, going by the title Authentic Conversations, and we have such uh, rebranded this podcast to better suit the message, to better suit the audience, uh, really in line with uh, my book wounds uh and a lot of the uh a lot of all of the coaching that I do is all around this idea of helping people to see inside of themselves the greatness that God has created them with and then helping them to unlock it and so we're doing that uh, in, uh, with our clients, but also here uh, on this podcast, we just want to continue to to share ways in which we can do that, both by bringing in some uh, guests uh, from the outside. I cannot wait to share some of the guests that are coming up really soon, uh, but then also just to share some of my own experience. Uh, so I really wasn't planning on this episode until just the other day. Uh, and it was due to a conversation that I was having with uh, one of the pastors of our church. And uh, he, uh, we were in a text exchange uh, after a series of events, and through it, um, it really wasn't anything he explicitly said, but definitely implied. And it was just this idea of like a crazy work that God is doing in my life. And uh, what has led to that? And actually, some of you have heard a little bit of this story uh, in my 2023 Reflections episode, which is just a few episodes ago. Uh, but I want to I want to get a little bit more in depth 
uh, to that. I also want to uh, to say this, uh, what I'm about to share, particularly as it relates to me choosing at this season of life uh, to live alcohol-free is in no way um, a call for people to quit drinking alcohol. Uh, this is in no way a call for me uh, to condemn you for uh, your decision to drink uh, so long as you are doing so responsibly, uh, which actually I'm going to talk a little bit about today uh, for myself. Um, anyway, so this is not condemnation. This is not judgment. This is experiential. Uh, but my personal experience has just opened my eyes to so many things that I think uh, were going to be super helpful for me to share with y'all today. So Anyway, um, I want to start off uh, actually by reading a verse uh, from First uh, Peter that I think is going to be uh, super relevant to this discussion today. So in First Peter uh, chapter five, specifically, Peter is addressing the elders um, of the churches uh, in the area that he is ministering to, probably Asia. And anyway, so um, he has been writing to um, just the dispersed church as a whole, but uh, chapter five of first Peter, he, spe he speaks directly to the elders of the church. So the elders, if you're not familiar uh, with church or church structure or whatever, elders, uh, uh, as I see it in the Bible, elders and pastors are one in the same. These are those that are called to lead the church. Um, these were always men called to lead the church. This is not, um, a, which, um, a gender is better. This is just how God called, uh, people to lead the church. And so these were men that were leading the churches all throughout, uh, the Middle East there as, uh, Christianity was just growing at a, um, amazing rate. And still today to present day, uh, elders, Pastors are those that lead the church. Again, I believe that those are men that are called to do that. Uh, anyway, so on one hand, we want to be careful because when we read uh, scripture, um, and I didn't want to turn this into a Bible study, but I want to explain, we want to be careful that we don't take the Bible for what it isn't saying. And so sometimes the Bible is addressing a specific audience or a specific instance. So again, here, Peter is writing specifically to the elders of the church that has now been dispersed throughout Asia. So we want to take it as that. At the same time, uh, as we read uh, scripture and specifically this passage, we can also believe that God intended that this would be canonized and then shared in a way that we could learn and grow from it. So while we are not, most of us are not elders of churches, uh, I once was, am no longer, um, we can still learn a lot from what the Bible says, particularly what Peter is saying here. So anyway, so he says this, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 is where it starts. He says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the present time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And then verse 8, be sober-minded, be watchful, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. 
Then he finishes, after all you have suffered a little while, or, and after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory, will remind himself, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So again, writing to the elders, they're going through a season of a lot of great challenge. Uh, there is a lot of resistance to Christianity uh, at this time, and Peter is trying to encourage them through that. Um, but um, in the midst of all of that, uh, there is something that uh, really, really stands out to me. And it's not just because I'm talking about alcohol, <clears throat> but uh, in verse eight, he says, be sober-minded because your adversary, the devil, prowls around seeking someone to devour. Many of you know that uh, because you've listened to this podcast and you heard my reflections and or because you follow me on social media, uh, maybe because of a little bit, I think I shared this a little bit on the last episode anyway, but October 27th um, was the last time I had any alcohol. Um, I um, went out. Uh, with my wife and a large group of friends, had a party bus, uh, suite at a concert for one of our favorite bands, Old Dominion, and I proceeded to have too much to drink and remembered half the night. And every time I say it, it just sounds so stupid, um, but that's what happened. Anyway, and so from that, the next day I woke up, I felt like absolute garbage, and I knew that I needed to make a change. And so that change um, for me at that time was committing to going alcohol free, no more alcohol through the end of 2023, um, of which I did. And, uh, that has actually carried into 2024. I'm recording this episode, January 29th. Uh, this will be released mid February. And as of now, uh, I still have not had anything to drink and I don't have any plans to reintroduce it to my life. I'm not saying that I will never drink again. I'm just saying that for now, I feel far better. I'm a lot more clear, uh, healthy, sober minded, um, now than I have ever been. And as a result of that, um, I am good not drinking. Anyway, so as uh, as this process has unfolded, um, God has been revealing a lot of different things to me. And, you know, one of which, so I was having a conversation with my wife about two weeks ago, we were at dinner, and I was talking to her about, you know, this decision and just reflecting on how great it was to cut alcohol out of my life and how I'm feeling and uh, then uh, touch back on the, you know, the event of the night. And, um, and she said something that just like really struck me. She's so smart. And she said something to the effect of like, yeah, I had seen signs that this was going to happen. And I was like, what? And she said, yeah, you know, it was just like, um, you were having just a little bit too much, a little bit too much. Now, I want to put this into context because I don't want to make this more than it is. And at the same time, I don't want to minimize it. But um, over the course of a three or four year period, I would say that there was probably three or four times when I had too much to drink, which is still too much. But um, it wasn't in excess often. On top of that, um, I would go weeks, months without having any kind of alcohol at all. And then other times I would have three, four, five over the course of a day or a long night, um, whether it was like at the lake over the summer or out with friends for dinner or whatever. Um, so 
um, there was frequency, but it was infrequent. And um, it wasn't um, it wasn't something that I had to have. It wasn't something that I was craving. It was just kind of there. I do really do uh, enjoy bourbon, uh, but even then, it just really wasn't that big of a deal. I wasn't going home after work and and having um, bourbon uh, because I had a long day or something like that. It was just never that was never my style. It was more of just social, uh, typically in reasonably controlled settings. Anyway, so she says I saw this. This was happening. I saw this pattern. And I first said to her, I said, what the heck? I said, why didn't you say something? And she said, well, because I saw that you were already starting to come down on yourself and I didn't want to pile on. And it was in that moment that I recognized something so, so powerful for myself. And it was that I had put my wife in a terrible position because of my choice. Now, there were a lot of really bad choices I could have made as it resulted to alcohol and um, the after effects of that. Um, but this one for me was was actually really bad. Like I didn't uh, cheat. I didn't um, go do something really inappropriate or inappropriate or stupid, whatever. But I put my wife in a position where she wasn't able to speak freely about what she was seeing in me. And that's not on her. Like at first I was like, why didn't you? And then I just thought to myself, man, that was my fault. I made her feel that way. Not intentionally, but because of my choices. And so that was just one big revelation I had was like, man, I was, I was putting her in a bad spot by being irresponsible and in, in many ways, not giving her the forum to be able to, to openly speak. And we've talked about that. And I told her that I want her to be more stringent and strong in her words towards me. And she definitely is most of the time. But I said, there is just nothing off limits. I don't care how bad I feel. Make me feel worse if you feel as though uh, I need to make a change or do something different. So that was one re uh, realization. But the more that I then, from that conversation with her over the last couple of weeks, talking with a couple of other friends, uh, leaders in our church, just other people in my men's group, <clears throat> I've realized that this was all a downhill battle that started really right around the time I stepped down from pastoral ministry in 2020. Um, this is not an excuse. This is just the reality that uh, during the time that I was a, a pastor, so eight years, 2012 to 2020, which I just loved dearly. I um, I can actually say now that I, I, I feel called back into some kind of role like that at some point in my future. I don't know when or where. Um, anyway, but it was, a, <clears throat> it was a great season of life. The same time, both uh, for the good of my soul at times, but then also the challenge of my soul. Um, it was con very confining. Uh, um, the Bible is very clear that pastors, elders are to be held to a higher standard, that we have greater responsibility and therefore should take greater responsibility. And I tried to do my best to do that very imperfectly, but I definitely tried my best to do that. So during the time I was leading in church, um, I would have, I don't want to say I would have never, because I don't think there was a time, but there could have been, but I would have, I don't think I would have ever willingly put myself into a position to have over-consumed alcohol. Also during that time, I I had throttled back to, um, rarely if ever cuss, 
Uh, my head was just at a lot better spot. Spot. I was a lot more clear overall. My heart was uh, just better overall. I mean, I still got frustrated and angry and lashed out at times, but overall, I was in a much better spot. And then through a series of uh, very challenging and unfortunate events, not of my own doing, no impropriety, um, some serious disagreements at the church leadership level, uh, and a few other things, I felt called to step down. And from the moment I officially stepped down, I felt a freedom like I hadn't felt before. And in the beginning, that was a really good freedom, the freedom to finally worship God freely, to be me freely, all of me, and to let God begin to work in my life in ways that he had not for many, many years. And if you've led in a church, you understand this. Uh, it just sometimes it becomes really challenging to be yourself um, in the midst of trying to lead other people, to pour into yourself when you're leading other people. Just it's hard and it's really, really hard. Anyway, so I felt freedom to worship God, just to be me and to let him work. And boy, did he. He showed so much of himself to me at the very end of 2020 and turning to 2021. I was so, so grateful for all the ways that God was working in my life. That same freedom also opened my eyes to just how confined I had been living, for good or for bad. More often for good, but once in a while for bad. And so I chose, uh, no, um, I, I had already been um, having a little bit of alcohol on occasion. Um, uh, anyway, but I just chose to just kind of not take the guardrails off, but just to just to release a little bit more of the pressure. Um, I was like, I don't, I don't have to worry about being under the microscope. I can just be a normal Christian, which I'll get to that in a minute. That was stupid thinking. Um, uh, you know, I I can do what I want, whatever. Like just kind of like, and, and I didn't free for all it. I, I it was a slow burn. But this is back to First uh, Peter. Uh, when he says, be watchful because your adversary, the devil, roars around or prowls around like a roaring lion. And now that I look back, I start to realize that I was slowly letting Satan back in. And that's wild to say out loud. Um, but I was just opening the door to be devoured. I wasn't resisting him as often. I was succumbing to poor thoughts, to inappropriate language, and to drinking a little bit too much. Again, rare occasion, but it was still happening, and it shouldn't have been happening at all. The Bible's very, very clear. Alcohol is in no way a sin. Consuming alcohol is in no way sinful. Being drunk is. And... We can play all the games in we world about buzz, you know, about being buzzed versus being drunk, whatever. Like it's a game, you know, when you know, and if you don't know, somebody else sees it and they tell you, and then you should know, but we often deny it because we don't, we don't want to get caught up in that anyway. So, um, little by little Satan was seeping in and, um, 
I just started to give in to more coarse language. I went from, um, and, and, and these are somewhat for just example, though, you know, I haven't eradicated them all, all the time, but like the word shit or the word ass, uh, was uh, very infrequent, but that, you know, those were kind of like the cuss words that I was using. Um, and those became far more frequent. And then all of a sudden the F-bomb started making its way into my vocabulary. And then it started making its way into my vocabulary more regularly. Then I started noticing myself cussing in front of my kids from time to time, and then even dropping an F-bomb in front of my kids. Never at my kids, to my kids, but around my kids. What was I thinking? I wasn't. I was, again, I was not sober-minded. And this just didn't have to do with alcohol. This was just a part of the, the downhill spiral. And I think back to that season of life. And, and, and this, is, this is where hopefully you're listening to this and you're finding some um, wisdom. You're finding some um, examples. You're finding some connections in your own life. But here, here, here's one big practical takeaway um, to this point, and it's this. There was rarely a time when I carried myself in such a way that somebody else was like, oh, what? No, you shouldn't be doing or saying that. Now, there were a few times when my kids, especially my youngest daughter, which she's super smart, super sweet, should have actually listened to her. She would say something about like my language. Um, my wife would say something on occasion as well. And I was kind of like, it's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. So I was kind of playing it off. But whether it was that, inappropriate thoughts, or overconsumption of alcohol, almost every single instance that I can recall, I inside knew what was going on. And I just kept pushing it aside with the excuse that I was no longer a pastor, so I didn't have to live with that stringency. And because I was frustrated about the way things went down when I stepped down, that I was kind of like, not vengeful, but just angry about it. And so I was just like, whatever, screw them, screw it. I wasn't shipwrecking my faith. Actually, my relationship overall with God is really, really good, um, but this was just not a great spot. And it continued to, pers uh, to persist. It got worse and worse and worse. Now, I am grateful that by God's grace, I never put myself in a position to compromise my marriage. I never put myself in a position to compromise my children, never put myself in a position to compromise my business uh, that I can recall. But still, I was going down a road that I wasn't proud of. I was, I was becoming the opposite of the man that I want to be. When I talk about unlocking greatness, I was unlocking disaster. That's actually a big part of the reason why I believe God let me continue to go at the rate that I was because I had to get to that point on October 28th on my couch in the middle of the day while I was hung over. I had to get to that point where I felt guilt and shame. And if you're a Christian and you don't believe 
that guilt and shame can be good for us, you have not heard all of the gospel. The gospel is very clear that Christ came into the world to die for our sins, to remove the guilt and shame from the sins we've committed. But part of the reason we feel guilt and shame is because those are tools that are used to turn us to Christ to be forgiven for our sins and to go and sin no more. We have to be so careful. Guilt and shame. We don't want to live in those things. We don't want to swim in them. We don't want to associate ourselves with them. But if we're continuing to sin or commit sinful behavior, we should feel guilty. We, we should feel ashamed of ourselves and then want to do something about it. And by God's grace, I did. But again, it was a pattern. And I knew, I knew who I could do that stuff with more often than others, like around my church buddies. I could have a drink or two and be totally chill around my non-church buddies. I could have six or seven and be totally chill. I knew that my language could fly loose around certain groups of people and not around others. I knew how to play the game. And I think you do too. Again, be sober-minded. Be watchful, as Peter says, because the devil is prowling around, but we can resist him by standing firm in our faith. To the church there that Peter is writing to, he's writing to them to stand firm in their faith because they're experiencing many trials, much persecution. But we can take that same verse, that same exhortation and apply it to our lives. You know, the more frustrated that we get in business, the more frustrated that we get in relationships, the more frustrated that we get at home for whatever reason, the more that Satan leans in to attack us, the more that he kicks that door open wide or pries it open and shows us just how quote unquote amazing the life is that he has for us. This goes all the way back to the garden in the book of Genesis. God had given Adam and Eve everything, not only they needed, but could have ever dreamed of. He said, just don't eat of this one tree. Don't eat the fruit of this one tree. Satan comes in and says, come on now. Did God really say that? Do you, th do you think God really wants to hold back the best? Do you think that God really would withhold something this amazing from you? I think you misunderstood. You should step in and take a bite. He caught them in a vulnerable state and the rest is history. But the same thing applies to us. If we are not watchful, if we are not sober-minded, we will become the victims of our own stupidity. Because as much as it's Satan attacking, we have the mind, we have the heart, we have the soul, we have the savior to fight against it. But the choice is ours to choose whether or not we are going to utilize those tools. Sometimes God allows it to get so bad that we can't help but turn towards him. 
And as much as I hate to admit it, that's often how it has to happen in my life. I mean, this last instance, again, drinking too much on October 27th was not the end of my world. I didn't ruin my life. But at the same time, I screwed some things up. And I awoke to what God really wanted from me. And as the result of that, I have to tell you that the last 95 or 94 days, whatever it's been, <clears throat> have been some of the best days of my life. I haven't been on vacation during that time. I haven't made a big sale during that time. I haven't got amazing news during that time. But I see God moving and working in ways that I haven't felt in a long time. I'm starting to feel, I'm feeling that greatness that I believe God has created me for. It's giving me more strength, more clarity, more wisdom to be the provider and protector to my wife and kids that I know that I am called to be. It's giving me the ability to step into situations with friends and love on them and support them and walk through them in challenging situations like I never have before. It's giving me the strength and the boldness to step on stage professionally and proclaim sometimes explicitly, sometimes implicitly that it is the grace of God that put me there. And that that fire that is stoked in me because of what God has done causes me to inspire others to go live the life that God has called them to, whether they acknowledge God is the one that puts them here or not. I feel like I'm in a better spot than I've been maybe ever in my faith. I'm more clear. And yes, part of that definitely is because I'm not drinking, but I wasn't drinking enough for that to be the sole cause. It's because my whole body, my heart, my mind, my soul has all become more sober. It's more watchful. I am more clear. And so as I land sharing this story with you, I want to encourage you to be sober-minded, to be watchful. And if you are a Christian, to stand firm in your faith. If you are not a Christian, I would encourage you to consider faith in Christ. Because you're going through these same challenges, whether it's drinking or cussing or uh, inappropriate relationship or... Um, a challenge at work, failing business. You're going through something. And I'm telling you right now, the only way out is faith and hope in Christ. That's the only sustainable way out. But you have to make that decision. He's calling you. Will you respond? Be sober-minded. Again, this isn't about alcohol. It may be, it may be for you. This may be the word you needed to hear. It's interesting as I've shared some of my alcohol-free journey, I've had a couple of really cool uh, themes in response. One has been that, I mean, like a guy that I've been good friends with for quite a long time, he shared with me that he's been sober uh, for alcohol-free for almost two years. I had no idea. I wish I'd have known he was on this journey a long time ago. Maybe it would encourage me to do it sooner. 
But then I've had quite a few other responses from people that because of me sharing publicly what I'm doing, they've chosen to do the same for different time domains, for different seasons. But it's been incredible see, to see the way that God has worked through my decision to free myself of alcohol. Again, I don't know if it's forever, but it's definitely for now. But it may not be alcohol. For many of you, it's probably not. It's something else. But I would encourage you to get clear on who you are, to get clear on what you want. This is one of the big reasons why we did the Design Your Dream Life five-day challenge to kick off the new year. It's a, it's a reason why we've decided to take that challenge and turn it into a five-part mini course that now anybody can access. Designing our dream life allows us to define who we are, what ultimately we're called to become, who we're called to become, where we're called to go, and then create the life that gets us there. You got to start with understanding who you are, what makes you tick, what makes you struggle, become super self-aware. And then through that process, put people around you, give them permission to speak into your life, to be bold about who they see you being. Like I have with my wife, some of the men from my church, we need to be in this fight with others. We cannot do this alone. So again, one last time, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. 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 Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Unlocking Greatness. I am Ryan James Miller. I appreciate you support, your support. Like this, subscribe if you have not already, and please share this episode with a friend. I would love to see this message get out to far more people uh, than we're reaching right now. Um, you can check us out on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you're listening to or watching your podcasts. If you have any more questions, comments, concerns, you can go to woundsbook.com. It's where we talk about unlocking greatness. My book, Wounds, How Hurt, Heartache, and Tragedy Become the Keys to Unlocking Greatness can be found there. Some of the programs we're offering, some free resources. I would love to support you in any way that I can. Click the link in the description to join our Unlocking Greatness community. That's another incredible way to join with other like-minded people on the same journey to unlock the greatness that God has created them for. Thank you guys so much. Talk to you soon. Thank you for joining us on Unlocking Greatness. I am confident that today's stories and insights are steps on your path to personal and professional excellence. I'm pumped to share our next episode with you. But until then, keep nurturing your soul, challenging your limits, and unlocking the greatness you were created for.